0: I am the owner of Free Method Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice empowering women to break up with diet culture by teaching them how to trust, respect, and feel safe in their bodies. We welcome all foods over here, from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. This episode of Food Freedom Podcast is sponsored by our Free Method Recipe Book. It's time that you have a way to create flavor packed meals that you enjoy that also align with your goal of food freedom. This recipe book is designed to support your intuitive eating journey so you can gain confidence in the kitchen. Complete with recipes that emphasize gentle nutrition, you'll find delicious and simple recipes that allow you to win back your time. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash recipe book to get yours today. Welcome back to another episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Today, I am joined by Dr. Carolyn Ross, and I am very excited for this conversation. We're going to be talking about really all things binge eating and kind of diving in a little bit more to Dr. Ross's background as a practitioner as well. So Dr. Ross, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I would love if you would take a minute just to introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us a little more about you and what you do. Okay. Well, I'm a physician and mm-hmm.
1: I specialize in treating eating disorders and addictions. So throughout my career, I've worked in various treatment centers, including one right there in Nashville, well, actually two, the Ranch and the Integrative Life Center. And and I've also worked at Sierra Tucson and, and other, I've done consulting for other treatment centers. But I've also, so I've worked in all levels of care and now I'm in private practice. And I also have an online telemedicine program for binge eating disorder, food addiction, and emotional mm, eating.
0: I love that. And so you're, pri- where are you located? I don't even think I asked you that. I'm in Southern California,
1: but I see patients still in Colorado and in California. I'm still licensed in Colorado where I had my practice uh, before I moved back to San Diego.
0: So how did you get involved in the eating disorder space? Yeah, I think like most of us, you know, things,
1: I had this particular problem in my family, eating disorders Mm -hmm. in the family. And on an academic level, I was just really fascinated by how much eating disorders affect every aspect of your life. And, you know, I did a fellowship with Andrew Wiles program in integrative medicine. So that focuses on body, mind, and spirit and eating disorders and addictions as well really do affect all of those three levels almost equally. So so it it was fascinating to me to be able to work with people and, and to not just work as a medical doctor, you know, and do med management mm-hmm. or, you know, screen them for hepatitis or whatever, but to be able to do this body, mind, spirit
0: kind yeah. of work. Which I know I am always very thankful for doctors who either specialize in eating disorders or at least have like a vast knowledge in eating disorders. Um,
1: or any knowledge.
0: Any knowledge. <laughs> yes, very true. Like yeah. who at least can yeah. I can trust and feel safe sending my client there
1: because they're the same for addictions, you know, in medical school, that isn't something we learn much about yeah. and it's, yeah. it should be just like we don't learn anything about nutrition, just yeah. shocking since so much of, you know, so many diseases have a, a direct relationship yeah. to what yeah. we eat.
0: It is. And, and so, even, I mean, I remember when I was in school to become a dietitian, like we don't learn a ton about eating disorders and it's like, I mean, we're Mm -hmm. dietitians. We're trained to help with food. Like you would think we would learn, but I mean, the way I talk about it, I feel like oftentimes we're trained almost to like give people eating disorders in a sense we're trained in like intense, like weight loss things and calorie counting and and all of that, that can oftentimes do way more harm
1: (laughs) then good. And the same for our medical doctors, you know, physicians are still preaching that same old song. They have to lose weight to be healthy. And it's, you know, there being, you know, a lot of doctors who are posting online, including myself, you know, Mm -hmm. many years ago, have been, what do you call Mm -hmm. it, approached by people making comments about that. And I think for me, you know, I have come to my own sort of reckoning with the use of diets. I was never a big, you know, Mm -hmm. extreme diet proponent, but definitely my training, you know, was all about, you have to lose weight in order to your diabetes, your heart disease, your hypertension. And I just kept seeing in my practice that people just were not able no matter how hard they tried. And there's only so much you can do to mm-hmm. blame other people, you know, to blame, blame the victim, really blame the patient and say, well, yeah. you know, you should you just didn't have enough willpower. Or you just, and that didn't feel right to me. And over time, I started realizing that, you know, diets just don't work. Yeah. And even though my approach was very life lifestyle oriented, mm. there was yeah. still that, you know, maybe unconscious feeling that losing weight was is good for you. And over time, you know, I've educated myself. I've been educated by my peers and colleagues. And I think we've all come come on this journey to, to recognizing that dieting not only doesn't work, but it's it's very harmful. And I think the sad part for me is how many children are put on diets. You know, five-year-olds, like I think... Well, yeah. Five-year-old, you don't even know how they're going to, their bodies are going to grow because mm-hmm. they're only five, you know, yeah. and it's just, you know, it's shocking. And I feel, you know, I feel like the medical profession is, is unfortunately a big yeah. part of the problem. Oh my gosh. Instead yeah. of the solution, same with dietitians. I, t- I tried to hire one recently and I said, you know, I don't believe in diets. And she, mm-hmm. she said, well, I can't do this. This is what this is what I'm trying yeah. to do. It's
0: to put people on diets. I said, oh, "Okay, welcome." Yeah, on. <laughs> gosh, which is, yeah, it's it's so hard because a lot of it I know from my own experience is like unlearning a lot of what we were taught in school right. and relearning, and that can take time. It can take money. It can take you know so many different things. But it's like once you know that knowledge around like why diets don't work, and then I know like once you see how that can impact your clients and how they get so much more, like so much better results. They're making progress. They're gaining confidence, like all of these things. It like, it all clicks. Yes,
1: exactly. And I think it's not
0: too different
1: from other things we've had to learn in the recent past, you know, learning about people who are, are trans and, you know, so many different changes in our, like just the pronouns, that's all. That's all new and that's yeah. all stuff that obviously in medical school we were taught mm-hmm. that there were you know boys and girls yeah, <laughs> and, that's yeah. and so that's I, I think there's just an opening up of our consciousness in a way in in the world, and with that comes more information that we can learn to yeah. help us help other people
0: so. Mm. I totally agree. Well, yeah, I would love to spend a little bit of time talking through just binge eating. And even in that, I know emotional eating can kind of sometimes fit in there as well, but really even first, just for our listeners, because I feel like binge eating can, I see this a lot with my own clients to be something that's almost this word, this phrase that people throw around. But I think sometimes there's like confusion around, like, is this actually like, Am I actually binge eating, or am I like eating past fullness, eating till I'm like overly full? But maybe it wasn't actually like binge eating. Yeah, I think the terminology
1: is definitely misused and overused. You know, we talk about binge watching Netflix and binge eating certain foods. So, but Uh, in terms of binge eating disorder, you know, I've been around long enough where we didn't have a. Uh, diagnostic criteria for binge eating disorder, and you know, now we do, which has made a huge difference in being able to help people because they, you know, many of my patients felt like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a compulsive overeater, but you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't anyone, you know, I feel like this is taking over my life, but nobody is giving me any help with it. So the actual criteria specifies that you know, initially it specified that a binge was eating a large quantity of food in a short amount of time. And now I believe it says something to the effect of eating more than, you know, someone else would normally, or a person would normally eat. And so it's in, to some degree it is individual, but I think Mm -hmm. when when people talk about binging, binge eating, there is maybe people can talk about having a binge. And I think, Most people have, you know, at some point had a binge or, you know, come close to it. But when we talk about binge eating disorder, we are really talking about a disorder that creates a lot of problems Mm -hmm. in someone's life. It's not something that just happens at Thanksgiving or just once in your lifetime when you went through a divorce or something. So binge eating disorder is an ongoing issue where people are binging regularly and it causes a lot of emotional distress and embarrassment. People are, you know, isolating because they're embarrassed about how much they're eating. There's, you know, there can be just a lot of psychological distress associated with
0: it. And what are, what do you typically see or what have you seen in the past, like leading to some of those like binge episodes with clients or patients you've worked with in the past? Like, because I know, you know, it's so much more than just the food and feeling out of control around, you know, ice cream or whatever it may be. There's deeper components
1: there. I I always say that the food is, is seen unconsciously as the solution Mm. to the problem or to the emotions that are being felt. But in, you know, the root cause of, I believe of all of the eating disorders is, usually something we see in childhood, childhood adversity or childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. So when, when a child has, or, you know, even a young person has experienced some kind of trauma, and it doesn't have to be, you know, like we always used to talk about big big T and little T traumas. It can be neglect. It can be disruption in your life because of a big move. You know, I remember a kid whose mom had died and his dad moved him to another school right in middle school and the death of his mom was never addressed. And, you know, he was there, he didn't have his friends or his support system with him and he developed binge eating disorder, you know, but the trauma, so we could say, okay, a lot of people would say, well, just stop binging. And, you know, then that will fix things, but it really doesn't. Um, so we have to address the underlying issue. For example, in his case, his grief and loss, you know, which was driving him to overeat. So, you know, for me, I I feel like people who've had trauma have developed unconscious beliefs about themselves or themselves. And it's kind of like wearing, you know, dark glasses. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, everything looks, you're looking through those dark glasses, But if you heal the trauma, then you can take off those dark glasses and then things start, you start to perk up and think, oh, wow. Well, I thought this was this way, but now I see it's really not. And so I think that's the Mm -hmm. most important work for working with people with binge eating disorders, helping them to connect the dots between their binging and what happened to them.
0: Because I feel like, you know, when you're in that pattern of binging, you may not even, as in the client, like the person may not necessarily put two and two together. Of like, oh, this binging is rooted from what happened to me in my childhood. This is me trying to. They almost it. never do. Yeah,
1: they almost never do. And and a lot of times, even when you try to direct them to look at that, they, they will say, "Oh, that you know that happened so long ago. I don't even. I don't think that matters. That didn't affect yeah. me." and i see that every single time i work with the client mm. and they've so they've been so good at using food to hide the problem yeah that they've almost forgotten that the problem is there mm. but it's pretty dramatic when they start to become aware of that and then to open up to the possibility that they're not many people call yeah. broken they're not broken they're not flawed there's nothing wrong with them but something happened yeah. to them. And then that led to these changes in their mm. eating.
0: And it, I think what can be hard is like, you know, going to food has become so comfortable for them. So then in mm-hmm. trying to talk through like, okay, what does it look like to actually process this trauma, talk through these, you know, this grief, whatever the, the root may be, that's so much harder than just Going to the food.
1: Absolutely. But it's not nearly as hard as people think it is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It is hard work, but it's not the terrifying, you know, kind of experience that many people expect it to mm-hmm. be because yeah. they're thinking of it from the age when the trauma happened. You know, if you had some trauma at age eight, then, you know, everything can feel terrifying because you don't have the skills to deal with it. But at age 40, yeah. those skills should be better or at least you can adopt some skills. Yeah. And therefore the trauma is not as terrifying to work through. So, and it has to be done in pieces. You can't, it's not about going back yeah. and re-experiencing trauma. That's absolutely not what we want to do. It's really just connecting sure. the dots and understanding how, this thing that happened then led to the food mm. situation.
0: And I've, a lot of it too is helping the clients learn like healthier ways to cope with their emotions and to cope with these like feelings they've probably been surfacing and ignoring, not even knowing we're there, like we mentioned for so long, which, yes, can be uncomfortable, but then I'm sure. And I mean, I've seen this in my own experience with clients, like can then be so freeing for them too, of like, okay, now when I feel this certain emotion or this feeling, I know now how to better cope with it. Whereas in the past, all I knew what to do was how to numb it. Yeah. And I think the most one of the
1: things that I see the most is really that most people aren't even aware that they're having a feeling. Like you say to them, mm-hmm. like, what are you feeling now? I, I see you crying. What are you feeling? They can't tell you what they're feeling. Or if they mm-hmm. have, if you try to do, you know, uh, analyze kind of what triggered a binge, for example, and you ask them, what were you feeling before that binge? Often they are completely removed from their emotions. And mm-hmm. so that is the first step is to reconnect with yeah. the emotions and start to experience what does it feel like, you know, in your body and in your thoughts and so on to have sadness or fear, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. it's really about being reconnected with yourself, which is, I think my ultimate goal is for people to be reconnected with their authentic selves, who they really are and who got lost in all of what happened to them. You know, but that that part of themselves is still yeah. there, their spirit, their essence. It's still there and waiting mm-hmm. to come to the forefront. And once you are more in your authentic sure. self, it's a lot easier to deal with life's challenges mm-hmm. than when you're running. Yeah. When you're on the run. Yeah.
0: Uh, and a lot of it, I'm one and probably stemming back to a person's childhood, like, the emotions and feelings that it's hard for them to feel are the ones that I feel like in our society are often deemed as like the bad emotions. Like you shouldn't feel sad. You shouldn't feel guilt or shame angry. or angry. angry. Yeah, Especially
1: if you're a woman. Especially mm. if you're a Southern woman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, must, you must see that in Nashville quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I grew up in the South, so I can talk about the South. But <laughs> yeah, I think it's really taboo, you know, and mm-hmm. so often it comes out sideways. You know, people be passive aggressive or they'll shut down or in some other way, those emotions will always have their say. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, that's why I think it's really important to reconnect and understand, you know, and learn how to express your emotions in ways that's not harmful to you
0: or to other people. Yeah. What have you seen help, like, what have you seen helps people reconnect with their emotions? Yeah. I
1: use a lot of guided imagery in my work, guided Mm -hmm. imagery, breath work. You know, our brains are so Mm -hmm. dominant, You know, and as my brother said the other day, uh, your brain is not, what does he say? Something about your brain is not a safe place to go by yourself. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but most people live in their minds, you know, they're constantly in their heads. And, you know, the first step to understanding how to deal with your emotions is reconnecting to how your emotions feel in your body. Mm. And that can be a way for you to actually experience your emotions Mm. for the first time sometimes,
0: which can be, again, so uncomfortable for a person, but then also so freeing to actually fully experience like the full spectrum of emotions. Yes, exactly.
1: So I think there's a lot of taboos that particularly affect women in our society, but For me, what drives me to continue doing this work for so long is seeing how much of our time and energy we as women waste or use up in, you know, obsessing about food, what to eat, what not to eat, you know, our size, our shape, you know, all of these things take up so much time and energy. And I've had some of my patients say, wow, I didn't realize how disconnected I was from my kids even. Because, you know, even though I was sitting with them or doing stuff with them in my head, I was mm-hmm. planning my next my next binge or, you know, I didn't realize that I really could have the career that I want. But I was afraid yeah. to because I didn't think I was worthy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's
0: what I think me. it's so often people don't even like make all those connections and still are until they're starting to do this work of like how their eating disorder, eating behaviors impact every single area of their life, like their relationships, their career, all these other things. Yeah,
1: That's the good news and the bad news, because a lot
0: of times mm-hmm. when you
1: realize that, you know, you have a lot of guilt about how you've been living, especially in relationships. Yeah. But it's, you know, there's nothing that it's not your fault in a way. It's really more about it, it's yeah. a consequence of the disease. And that's where we, that's the bucket we have to put it in. It's,
0: yes. Yeah. I would love for you to speak on that a little bit more because I hear that so often from clients coming to me feeling like it's their fault for, you know, their eating disorder, how, whatever their struggle looks like with food and body image, feeling like it's their fault. Yeah. I would love to hear a little more. You know, I think
1: society in general, you know, gives us that message, particularly women living in larger bodies, you know, like, yeah. why don't you just push back from the table and exercise more? You know, how many times have our patients heard those, that statement, you know, it's, oh, it's ridiculous. Obviously if diets mm-hmm. worked, then people would be doing them, but people are doing them despite the, because they're so desperate, despite the fact that they don't work. And so I think, you know, medicine doesn't have a pill for binge eating. Mm -hmm. There's no particular cure that we can offer to people, you know? So I think we have to recognize that um, this is just the natural way of things that people will be different sizes and shapes, and those sizes and shapes will change over our lifespan. And we can't, I mean, I don't think it's useful to spend the rest of your life trying to fit into a, you know, size six jeans or size two jeans or whatever your ideal is. It's
0: it's a tragic waste Mm. of
1: of a good life, I
0: think. So, so true. And I think once people start to realize there's so much more to life than what size your jeans are, it opens up so much freedom for them.
1: Yeah. And you and you were asking me about this whole shame and guilt and I think what I was trying to say is that society and our parents and our family and friends put this notion mm-hmm. on what's wrong with you. Like why can't you just, you know, push back from the table or stop your behaviors. And I think what we're moving toward is an understanding of, it's not about what's wrong with you. It's about what happened to you. So if something Mm -hmm. happened to you, that isn't your fault. You, if you were, even though many, many of my patients will say, you know, I'll say, how do you feel about, like, if you were five years old, when you experienced some kind of traumatic experience, many Mm -hmm. patients do still blame their younger selves. But when you Mm -hmm. think about it, you can realize that a five-year-old doesn't have a lot of agency. They don't have a lot of, you know, often don't have much support, uh, don't have a lot of skills. They did the best they mm. could to survive. Yeah. You know?
0: And I talk so. about that a lot with clients. And I reference, I'm sure you've read or are familiar with Eating in the Light of the Moon by Anita Johnson.
1: Oh, oh yeah, okay. she's a
0: good friend. Yeah, that's why I figured too when you mentioned, I, well, because she's at ILC now, or, but she talks yeah. about yeah. some in like, her analogy of like the log and like your eating disorder keeps you safe when you need it. And I think that's what can be so hard Mm -hmm. in letting go of it and like stepping out of that comfort because it helped you survive through some sort of traumatic thing or whatever the situation may have been. So you kind of almost start to establish this like bond or connection with it that can make it hard. To let go. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I love that analogy that she uses. I mean, I think so many people do get stuck in self-blame and uh, they internalize kind of what the messages that they've heard. And unfortunately, it just keeps you stuck. So those are the women I see who come to me who have been on diets off and on their whole lives they keep trying and trying and trying and then the light bulb goes off and they finally realize oh there's something else going on here this is about my weight this is about something else and that's when they can really start the journey
0: to Mm -hmm. healing yes that uh, that's so true gosh I feel like I could talk about this topic for hours. (laughs) It's so good. Well, the way I love to end interviews is asking our guests what their favorite food memory is. Cause really, really in the work I do with a lot of clients, what I hear on social media, like I feel like oftentimes our culture takes the fun and the social aspect and the enjoyment out of food. And so really getting to hear like why someone loves food and what a favorite food memory is to them. I think
1: Oh, I have so many. (laughs) I can say one from childhood was my grandmother used to make strawberry shortcake from scratch. Oh, yeah. You would make the biscuits and then, you know, the strawberries get and then the whipped cream or the ice cream. And my grandmother was really my safe place. Hmm. And so that is tied together, that uh, memory of the strawberry shortcake and Uh, spending time with her which was Mm -hmm. just the feeling of like you know being completely loved unconditionally so that's but I have so many more I I can tell you I had a wonderful uh eating experience in Australia when I was traveling in in the Hunter Valley Uh we went to a restaurant there that um oh my goodness the lamb the beef that they have is so much better than what we have in the U S because it's, you know, sure. I, I guess because it just comes right from right next door. I don't know.
0: Yeah. But the flavors
1: yeah. are, are beautiful. So I have lots of food memories. I'm a
0: food yes. lover. Uh, me too. I huge foodie. <laughs> um, and I think I love those stories that you share. Cause I think that shows how food is so much more than just food. Like there's so much oh. to it. And I think that can be, a huge piece of the journey that I love getting to experience with my clients as they really start to like reestablish love with food or see like, Oh my gosh, I used to eat this all the time and now I can eat it again and actually enjoy it. Like, I think, yeah, that's one of my favorite things to experience with clients. And I'm a
1: big, um, you know, soul food eater too, growing up in Texas.
0: Oh yes.
1: So So I've, my grandmother passed her recipe for cornbread dressing mm. down to me, and I've passed it down. To, I don't have any boys, but I passed. I mean, I don't have any daughters, but uh-huh. I have sons. So I passed it down to my one son who likes to cook.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: it's really great to get together for Thanksgiving and cook, yeah. you know, collard greens and cornbread dressing and sweet yeah. potatoes and mm. Correct
0: dressing meat. is my favorite dish at Thanksgiving. I love Me it. Me too. Yeah.
1: I can eat that and just forget about the turkey. Yes. But we put raisins in ours. I don't know Ooh. if you put it. no yeah. I'm gonna have so to. it's say. savory and sweet. Yes. You know, because you have the sage in there uh, and the thyme and what all the spices and poultry seasoning. And then you have those sweet little plump raisins. Yes. Oh, it's that yes. To die for. <laughs>
0: okay, i have to do that this year. That's Unfortunately, a- I can't share the
1: recipe. You'll have to find your own.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. It's a family secret. <laughs> yes, I fully respect that. I love secret family recipes. <laughs> well, Dr. Ross, where can people find you if they want to just learn more about you, learn more about your practice? Yeah. Uh, the best place is just to go
1: to my website, carolynrossmd.com. So it's C A R dot md.com and i do have a book sweepstakes going on now for the wow. food addiction recovery workbook you can win a free uh-huh. copy of that book and awesome. that's on the website
0: so perfect and we'll make sure that's linked in the show notes as well so people can click to that Um, Well, thank you so much for taking time for this interview. I think this conversation is going to really impact a lot of people. Thank you, Madeline. It's great to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at freemethodnutrition for more inspiring content on food freedom, intuitive eating, body respect, and many other things. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it to reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you always catch our latest conversations. See you next episode. Are you ready to master your mindset and take your health habits to the next level? We created our free method shop with those goals in mind. In our shop, you'll find our Freedom Journal and Elevate Affirmation Cards. Our Freedom Journal is a mindset and gratitude journal that will be the perfect addition to your health and wellness journey. Complete with journal prompts and reflection questions, this journal will help you turn your goals into lasting habits. Each journal page is broken into five sections. Affirmations, gratitudes, what you're learning, what you need to let go of, and what you need to hold on to. The perfect addition to our Freedom Journal are our Elevate Affirmation Cards. These affirmation cards come with 31 mantras, prompts, and encouragements to elevate your relationship with food and body. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash store to order yours today.
1: Thank you.